Our first speaker is Professor James Richardson, and uh, he's from Keele University in the United Kingdom, but he's currently in India. So we're going to have him by a telelink. Um, so Professor Richardson has been involved in a number of suits, unprofessional conduct, and there's a definition for that, that amounts to conduct in patients. And today, Professor Richardson will discuss whether innovation is stifled by law and will consider the role of the General Medical Council in regulating innovative treatments as well as other barriers for patients accessing treatment. So I'll just hand you over. Has reasonable care been provided in the circumstances? However, unprofessional conduct has to be... Hello there, I'm James Richardson. I'm sorry not to be with you. I'm a surgeon working at Keele University based in the Robert Jones and Agnes Hunt Orthopaedic Hospital in Oswestry. Conduct, uh, if there is more than one instance of unprofessional conduct, so you're looking at a pattern of behaviour. Innovation, just to, to see my point of view, I hope this is of, of interest and help to the discussion. I want treatment with autologous chondrocytes for my cartilage defect in my knee, but not as part of a randomised trial. This is a new trend I see in my daily work. Previously, all patients would wish to join a trial if they were suitable. There's of a lesser standard. So you've got um, professional misconduct. Is a million dollars were spent trying to run such a trial and only one patient recruited. Between the UK and northern Norway, we were able to recruit 390 patients into such a trial. People are generally very supportive of clinical trials in the UK. But this is changing. No doubt the reports of major safety problems in clinical trials is part of the reason. The GMC, the council that licenses me to practice, has recommendations about innovation. They require that any innovative therapy is explained to the patient as being innovative and that written consent must be obtained. However, they give no definition of what is an innovation. I find this useful, however, and patients are very happy for me to put innovative against a procedure I am performing. I do my best to explain the level that it is new, either to me, the hospital, the country, and any foreseen complications, and of course the fact that there will be unforeseen complications. So how do I define innovation? It is difficult. Each operation is slightly different. And it can be overlap between the two, and sometimes there is. Uh, the main difference from a courtroom, the parties are technically in control. Once you walk into a courtroom, you start. I have a pre-recorded operation note, a default operation note. So one simple rule is that if I need to change that default operation note, then I've changed practice and I must think as to whether this is an innovative step. It can be innovative to me because I've not done it before, in which case I might need training in a procedure that many other people are using. It may be innovative for the hospital can offer and tell them to withdraw the complaint. Can't do it. It's just practically impossible. The new procedures committee will allow us to perform a new procedure once just to decide if it is something we want to introduce. 
So then, if it is significantly innovative, I add it to the consent line and explain to the patient. Later, I plan to audit this. By ideal guidelines, I might publish a single case, if it were of particular interest to others. But generally, I will audit the outcome. So in recent weeks, I have done a few new things. One example is a particular design of a hip replacement, the Optimus. This is CE marked and has been used for many years in European countries, but never in the UK. So I spoke to my medical, my clinical director, a, and he supported the, the idea. I had a patient who was very keen to have a short-stemmed hip replacement. I, I've been looking at introducing this, so the timing was good. The operation went well. I had the engineer present from the company, and... Um, to proceed further, I would need the support of the new procedures committee, and I have applied to do this. In due course, I will audit the results. So, another case recently, a patient at high risk of infection, having a hip replacement, I added some beads of calcium sulfate that contain antibiotic, and will release these over three weeks, and so protect the hip. Now this is a CE Mark product I've used for over 10 years, but not in this particular situation. It is designed to treat infection, not prevent it. I'll explain this to the patient. It seemed very appropriate use, very logical and um, safe. And yes, I explained to the patient it would be an innovative use. And the patient said, go ahead. So. I also checked with the company who manufactured and they had actually done some tests of the beads in hip replacement and found they wouldn't scratch the surface of the hip replacement, for example. So I went ahead and used it. Of course, it's just one case. It's unlikely to be published. Um, it would need an audit of a significant number of patients, I think, before it would be accepted for publication. A randomized trial would need thousands of patients and big cost and it would not be really feasible. I don't think, because infection rates are so low generally. Um, so, that's an example. So this is a case of a new suture that sticks on the skin. Very quick to use, looked very promising. I found as much as I could out about it. I spoke to colleagues. I were allowed to use a new product a few times before we take it to a new procedures committee. I could see that the only way to validate this would be a, a clinical trial, but the company would support it. I, we spoke to patients quite extensively as to if they thought this was a good thing to study and so on. I used it in two patients then, but in one case we ran into troubles and the suture system became detached at about a week um, so this really has put me off it so I'm not going to take this further I did find the colleagues I discussed it with who are also trying it out and I said I'm going off I'm, I'm off this idea um, because of this particular problem it is difficult because we now have so many good ways of doing things it's difficult to justify doing something new
This is another situation where I had a patient with a non-union, very difficult to treat, um, a fracture in the leg that had not healed for many years. I, we have a special laboratory for growing stem cells and chondrocytes, so I, a colleague in Northern Ireland had used stem cells for fractures. He'd been reported to the GMC, however, because he'd not, he'd not sought ethics. Now, when he started, oh, about 30 years ago, it would only have been appropriate to seek an ethics uh, opinion if, if it was patients were being part of a randomised trial. And so the GMC did not take this further. However, of note, he, he did retire from active research soon after this um, GMC hearing. So anyway, in this case, we treated the patient, it went well, we published the case as a case report, sort of first-in-man type thing, and went on to run a randomised trial of 40 patients with ethics committee approval, and um, unfortunately we didn't find a, an overall benefit that was statistically proven, and so mainly for that reason we couldn't get the randomised trial published, despite it being quite novel. We've been trying over two years to get this um, published and we'll continue to do so and probably I pay for an online publication in a, in a newish journal. Um, I, I'm going to give you some surgical thoughts on, on court um, judgment about a child that was born disabled has had big impact on how we do, do, uh, do take consent. It doesn't really change anything fundamentally, but it is an emphasis on the need to have a patient fully informed and freely choosing to proceed to, to an operation. And um, a lot of my colleagues have interpreted it to mean that a lot needs to be explained and that this takes a lot of time and it's difficult to be sure you've covered every possibility. But actually, in this ruling, they also say that a patient has the right to not wish to have consent and so the way I've been using the ruling is to take and give as much information as is appropriate and then ask the patient if they wish to know more. A proportion of patients do know more and so I then continue with more rare complications up until the point they say they've, they've, they've had enough, thank you. That seems to work, work well and uh, it also applies to an innovative technique that I'm using. not been used before. In that case we have a new procedures committee. The treating chondral defects but difficult to prove that it's superior over another as it really is something that makes a difference in the long term. So we have a randomized trial out to 10 years a reporting just at the five-year point and patients have come into that trial very positively in large numbers. So this gives us the largest trial active uh, worldwide. Um, British and, and Norwegian patients are helping. However, NICE have not drawn a conclusion yet that this treatment should be funded other than as part of a trial. The problem is that the CCGs who actually fund the treatment will insist that the patient is treated but not as part of a trial. So we have a conflict in terms of attitudes to innovation from our funders.
So I raise this last point that perhaps there is just less innovation for a range of reasons. In the drug industry, it is concluded that the the difficulties of getting a drug to market are increasing such that every nine years it takes twice as much effort in terms of time and expense to get a new drug to market. This is the opposite of what is happening with computers where every two years computers get twice as efficient and half as expensive. Um, and the reasons are complex. Some are around um, health and safety, some are around the fact that the easy work has already been done. But I do wonder if Britain is really no longer interested in innovation. We are bottom of the list in terms of European patent production and interestingly Germany just close behind us. Of course the Far East is, is moving ahead fast and quickly. So I wonder if there's a loss of confidence in the UK because to do something new does require confidence, um, rightly or wrongly. Um, and then finally this point about the law, because my understanding is that the law reflects what the, the culture of a society wants, not the other way around. It might lag behind changes in, in a culture, but it is still there as a servant of the culture, not something that controls it. So I would look more to changes in society to identify reasons for there being less innovation. I would say though that there could be better methods and I would use patient power much more. I, so for instance, with my patient with a zip line, if um, I'd invited that patient to use a zip line and given them a website to sign up to and not proceeded unless they had, I signed up to that and that would be a very simple website which would simply ask them to define the innovation and to undertake to give feedback and then the um, it's a trademark product so quite well defined and the patient who had a problem would then uh, be emailed uh, a month later and asked if all went well and then they would be able to say that there would be a problem and this would then allow documentation quite efficiently and with more independence than depending on the surgeon or the company. Um, that's the sort of way I would see things developing efficiently in the future for innovation. Um, so I hope my comments have been of help. I'm sorry I can't be with you all. You'll hear the sea in the background but I am on holiday on the Indian Ocean. Okay. <laughs>